We have been looking at 1 Corinthians. We will continue that. So if you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. As we continue to look at Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And as we've been going through, as we've been, been uh, walking through this letter, we've, we've seen Paul uh, calling out to the church, calling them to, to greater things, calling them, in fact, holy. That, that they are holy and they are called to become holy in Jesus. And, and we've seen that, that he's, he's uh, called them out on, on some divisions that are happening, these dividing lines that are happening within the church as, as they're rallying behind different leaders and, and missing what the church is. We've seen him, him take great lengths to, to look at the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of God. And, and how everything that the world tries to, tries to uh, promote as the way to get ahead, the way to, to establish yourself, the, the way that one goes about seeking wisdom or power or, or anything else is foolishness. That it doesn't stand up to what God says is true wisdom. And that, Paul says, he came knowing nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. He says, and that is true wisdom. And even as we've been looking at, at those divisions and, and Paul calling them out saying, we, we stand on Christ. And Christ is not divided. So, so these battle lines have no business here. We see Paul coming again here in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 where we'll start in verse 10. And, and he he points again to this idea that, that even as, as there are people who are, who are building things up, we must be careful how we build. So let's look. I'm going to read the entirety of chapter 3, but we're going to focus in today on, on specifically verses 10 through 17. But in chapter 3, Paul starts by saying, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now you are not ready for it, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. I planted Apollos water, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If that work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, 
though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple? That God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. So let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world or life or death or the present or the future. All are yours, and you are Christ's, and Christ is God's. So where we pick up today in verse 10, we see uh, an image that Paul has has just thrown out there really quick at the end of of where we were last week. We've been talking about the field and the planting. Paul had said that he came and planted the seed, that Apollos came and watered it, but but neither the planter nor the waterer is, is anything, but it's God who gives the growth. And as he was calling the Corinthian church and even our church today to, to grow in him, he had pointed out that, that we are God's field. And the field is to be growing. And then quickly he said, you're God's building. And the building was never meant to just remain a foundation, but to be built up. And so today we want to look at at what it is to be about the business of building God's people, building God's church, and what that means. So we see Paul starting this, this whole image out with himself as the master builder. According to the grace God has given me, like a master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Paul looks at, at this idea uh, of, of being a master builder. You probably know our family, kids especially, really enjoy Lego, play, playing with Lego bricks. And, and we've had the opportunity to go to a, a couple different Legoland discovery centers. There was one in Dallas when, when we were down there. There's one in Kansas City that we went to when we were visiting my sister. And, and in each one of these Legoland Discovery centers. It's it's kind of a mini amusement park, and each one has what's called a master builder. Somebody's job is to actually build with Lego, day after day. They're creating new things. They're they're entering things in competition. But one of the the key things that this master builder does is set up that display in that that Legoland area. And so each one has has a large cityscape. So when we went to the one in Kansas City, we, we go in and you can see Kansas City's plaza and, and the, that area. You can see Royal Stadium, Kauffman Stadium there, and, and it has all these different landmarks of Kansas City that, that are created out of Lego, this huge room where the master builder has come in and, and prepared this thing for you to come and see. That master builder 
It has all kinds of skill, has all kinds of imagination to look at, at these little rectangular blocks and say, we can do something with that. And, and starts putting them together and creates things that, that some of the rest of us would never have even imagined. But builds these things up. Paul calls himself a master builder. But as Paul comes into Corinth, as Paul comes in and starts laying that foundation, he's not coming uh, proclaiming himself as a master builder in the way that he's got all the answers and he's just going to wow everybody. Paul says that he is a master builder according to the grace of God given to him. Paul comes in to, to lay this foundation, this strong foundation, this thing that, that something amazing will be built upon. But he comes not, not in his own strength, not in his own wisdom. He comes according to the grace God has given him. That, that God has gifted him. God has, has revealed himself to him. God has shown him the truth of Jesus Christ. And God has sent him into Corinth. And so as he comes, as he lays that foundation, as Paul comes in as the master builder, he comes according to what God is doing. And so as he's there, he, he lays a foundation, not, not of Paul, but he lays the foundation that has been shown to him. See, he is, he is gifted by God, he is called by God, and he is directed by God. That God has shown him that Jesus is going to be the foundation of all of this. And so Paul says he came into Corinth. He came as, according to the grace of God, he came as a master builder. And he laid this foundation. Now he says someone else is building upon it. Paul doesn't say who. In fact, we'll see that again and again through this passage where he says someone is building upon it, or if anyone builds upon it, or the one who it's, it's all vague. You know, obviously we know that Apollos has been there because the people have, have started gathering themselves around Paul or Apollos. So Paul laid a foundation. Apollos built upon it. Apollos came in and taught them and built them up. And now someone else is building upon it. Others are building that this is something that is, is happening. It's, it's a growth. The church is called to grow, to be built up. And so even as someone is, is there, he says someone else is building upon it, but he also delivers this, this warning of be careful of the way you build. Be careful of how that, that is done. That, that the structure that is being built, the church that is being built up, must match the foundation. It, it's got to work together. I mean, you don't, you don't see deep, deep footings being built and, the, and this huge foundation being poured. And, and then somebody puts up, you know, a little tool shed that was created, you know, by, by kids when they go to, to builders and, and just tinker at things. That structure doesn't match the foundation. Likewise, somebody doesn't just come in and, and throw down you know, some pallets for a foundation and then try and build a huge barn on it. It doesn't work. 
The, the structure has to match the foundation, and Paul is calling them to be very careful of the way they are building. Because the church that is being built up must match its foundation. And so in verse 11, Paul then makes it very clear what that foundation is, and we've said it already, that the foundation is Jesus. That the foundation he laid is Jesus, and he says no other foundation can be laid. We, we just sang it. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ her Lord. And that's it. The church's foundation is not Jesus and, and serving our neighbors. It's not Jesus and following the rules. It's not Jesus and, and singing the right kind of music or, or any of these other things that, that we follow. The church's one foundation is Jesus. He is the difference maker. You look at the difference between Christianity, those who are in the family of God, and and every other religion or cult, and that's what it is. Jesus is the difference. There, There are many, many very kind and loving and caring and giving people out there that don't know Jesus and kind and loving and giving and caring is not the difference maker I, I marveled sometimes at how you know Mormon missionaries come and, and they they are sometimes the nicest most helpful most friendly people you'll ever meet but ask who Jesus is and he is less than God. He is just a, a man who, who was really good, and, and, but not, not God. And we'll see that when Jehovah Witnesses come around too. The, the same thing. Who, who is Jesus? Well, he's some less created thing. We'll hear people say he, he was a great man. He was a prophet. He, he was the greatest teacher. None of that works. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, together with God in in essence and nature, took on flesh, dwelt among us. God died on the cross, paying the price for our sins. He rose again, conquering death. He's ascended into heaven and one day he's coming again to to judge the world and to set all things right. And this, this is the foundation that Paul laid for the church because this is the truth and Jesus is that difference maker. And Paul says nobody else can lay any sort of different foundation. Anything else falls short all, all the good that we can do, all the, all the care that we can give, all is based in who Jesus is. It's not what sets things apart. It's us living in Jesus. And so Paul says that that foundation is laid and that foundation is all it will ever be, Jesus 
But he says there are those building upon it. They're, they're building up on this foundation. And he says if, if anyone builds, in verse 12 there, if anyone builds with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. He, he lists these different things, the, the gold and, and silver and, and costly stones and precious jewels, the wood, the hay, the straw. I mean, obviously, at first, we, we see kind of a descending order, maybe, of, of their worth, their value. We see things that, that are very costly and other things that maybe are not. We see things in, in the gold and the silver and, and the precious stones that were used in creating the temple that was in Jerusalem. But ultimately, what it comes down to is, for Paul, that which will last and that which will not. He says, ultimately, what this all comes down to is the things that will last. In verse 13, he says that, that as they build with these different materials, each one's work will become manifest. They will see what each one's work is. For the day, my, my version here has a capital D on day. The day will disclose it. It will be revealed by fire. And that fire will test what sort of work each one has done. Paul is looking ahead to a day when... The crucified and risen Son of God will return. Looking to a day when everything will be judged, when, when all our work will be judged and, and all our, our selfish motives, all of our, our, our quiet words will be judged. The work that we do will be judged. You see, as Paul is looking at this, he, he brings in that imagery of fire, saying that the fire will reveal, the fire will test that work. And, and throughout the Old Testament, fire is, is used as an idea of God's judging, that He will come and He will judge and He will see what is worthwhile and what was not. And so how do we know whether it's gold, silver, and precious stones, or if it's wood, hay, and straw? Well, the day will reveal it. That judging will reveal it. But I was told by someone long ago that, that there are two things, two things given, two things created that will last into eternity. And those two things are the soul of humans and the Word of God. Those are the two things that will last for all eternity. The two things which, which will not be destroyed. The pages of Scripture, the, the paper, the leather, that will be destroyed. That will go away, but the Word of God will never cease. And the people He has created will go on for all eternity. So the question for, for the way that we work, the way that we are building on that foundation is what value does it have? Because that which is pouring into the, the lives, the hearts of others, that which is, that which is, is geared toward, toward reaching to the souls, that they may know the truth, that they may know Jesus. These things last. 
and everything else, everything else is gone. As important as it may be, you know, it, it is not a bad thing to work hard, to provide for your family, to, to do things. And we need that. But on that day of judging, the number of acres that we farm isn't going to matter as the number of lives we were able to touch. Now the number of acres that we farm can surely be used as a tool, as an agent for, for us to be reaching out and touching people. How do we use what God's given us? God's given us different talents, different places that we work, different things that we do. And do we use it just for ourselves or do we use it to spread His love? There comes a day of testing. And he says, on that day, that, that which is worthy will be revealed. And he says in verse 15, that if anyone's work is, is burned up, that that person will suffer loss. But Paul is careful to say that, that loss is not a loss of salvation. Remember that the work we do is not what saves us. It's the fruit of, of living in Jesus. That Jesus saves us. It is by His grace that we are saved. And that is not lost. But, but if all our work is just for ourselves, then all that is lost. And I'd want to just put in one quick word of warning here that if anybody is is thinking, well, you know, actually, I'm okay with that. You know, as, lo- as, long as, as long as I'm saved, I think I might just go ahead and work for myself and, and keep everything for myself because, you know, I, I'm okay with that. If that is our thought, if, if we're okay saying, you know, it, God's going to reach into the burning pile of rubble that is everything that just fell apart and pull me out. And so I'm going to live for myself now and then have him just pick me up later. If that's our thought, we need to really prayerfully, humbly ask Jesus if we really know him. If we're really built on that foundation. And if we're really building on that foundation. In 16 and 17, Paul gives this warning. Don't you know, he says, like it's obvious, don't you know that you're God's temple? That God's Spirit dwells in you? And if anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now this is one of those places where where our English translation doesn't do us any favors. And, and I, I've heard it proposed, jokingly, of course, but, but a, uh, a Texas NIV version. So that when you see this, you can, you can read here, as would be in, in the Greek that Paul wrote, Do y'all not know 
that y'all are God's temple. That God's spirit dwells in y'all. Paul, as he's writing here, this is not an individualistic thing. And in our, in our Western society, we, we get very hung up on, on me and doing things my way. And, and, and we read these yous as just me. And, and I am God's temple. And, and God's spirit is in me. And, and as true as it is that God's spirit is in you, what Paul's saying here is God's spirit is in y'all. He's talking to the church. He's saying that as you gather together, God's spirit is here. That as the church gathers together, this is the temple of God. And a temple does some incredible things for for reflecting and revealing the one who is worshipped. You know, as, as Paul's talking to, to the Corinthians, they can look around their city and see temples to, to all kinds of gods around them. Temples to all sorts of Greek and Roman gods all around them. They can see these massive temples, these beautiful things that are saying, no, this God is the greatest, this God is the best. And Paul looks at that church, the people gathered together. The, the, the broken and confused people, the ones he's just called infants in Christ, that they are, they are of the flesh, he says. He looks at those people and says, y'all are the temple of God, the one true God. That he doesn't manifest himself in, in beautiful stone, marble columns. He doesn't manifest himself in, in high arches and whatever else the, the other temples are doing. He manifests himself in Y'all. And the church needs to be reflecting and revealing what is true about this God. The one true God. See, we have, we have lost, particularly in America today, we've lost a lot of what church is. Church is not a social club that we come to. It's not a place where we come and get a motivational message. It's not a place that we gather around uh, whether we like this music or that music. The church is not just, just another piece of our social circle. The church is the people of God gathered together based on the foundation of Jesus Christ. That he is alive, that he has paid the price for, for your sin and for mine, and that this changes everything, that this gives grace that we don't deserve. And it changes the way we operate with those around us, that, that we are indwelt by the Spirit of God and should be offering the world around us a profound alternative to just life as normal. That this whole get up, work hard, try and make a little money, get to bed so you can get up and do work hard the next day and play a little bit. And, and that existence of just struggling to get ahead, that is not what life is about. And the church needs to show that alternative. See, in case you didn't know, we see in verse 17 that the church... This temple that God's talking about, the church is a really big deal to God. 
It's not always to us. It, it can sometimes just be, well, you know, it's whatever. It can sometimes even feel like a chore. But the church is a big deal to God. He loves the church. And we have the profound privilege as we are building on this foundation to show the world a better way, to show the world what love looks like, to show the world how we can care for each other, not because we're really good people, but because we are standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for your call that you call us to life in you. And I thank you that you call us together as a community that we do not live this life alone, that we do not we do not just go off as individuals trying our best, but we live this life in community as you have designed us. God, help us to, to love purely. Help us to live holy. Help us to give sacrificially. Help us to care in a way that the world around us sees that there is something different, there is something more, there is something better. And God, I pray for the leaders of our church. I pray that we continue to, to humble ourselves before you to seek what you would have us do as we build on this foundation. And ultimately, God, we know that each one is called to build on the foundation that you have laid in Jesus. Help us to be a prayerful people. To lift up those around us on their behalf to you. To serve to be a light in the darkness. In Jesus' name, amen.